we are beginning a new series in our church, and uh, we are talking about uh, the ABCs of uh, money. <clears throat> and you know, there's there's something that I have um, that I have noticed about human nature. You know, I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something that I want. You ever noticed that before? You know, you'll, you'll notice that it's particularly with uh, toddlers. You know, they could be happy as a lark, playing on the floor with uh, something, but if they f- see somebody else playing with something else, all of a sudden they drop what they've been playing with, and they want to go after that other thing. They want that thing. Well, um, you know, we are all like, we kind of grow up with those same tendencies, and because we have those tendencies... We find ourselves getting into a financial mess. You know, and we would kind of, we would describe this as the fall of man. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, he impacted uh, all of creation, not just mankind. You know, mankind is selfish. Mankind is self-centered, but uh, it even shows up uh, in the animal kingdom. Uh, There was an experiment taking place one time. And uh, was with two monkeys in a cage, and uh, the the um, the person doing the uh, experiment or the test was giving these two monkeys. Uh, the monkey would give uh, the um, this. I don't know if you call it a scientist, but uh, the person doing the study, the monkey would give the person doing the study a rock, and the rock w- would be traded in for a piece of cucumber. And both monkeys were cooperating, okay? 25 times there were no issues. They were both getting a cucumber if they turned in the rock. But then he switched the game a little bit. And uh, let's bring up the video. And Let's see, I think that video kind of streamed to the very beginning. Can we speed that up a little bit? Um, uh, maybe if we take that blue line down there at the bottom that's slowly progressing. That's the volume line. Yeah, there you go. Can you move that up a little bit? Okay. Okay, here we go. So here's the monkey. And uh, let's go ahead and press play. Well... Bummer. What? Yeah, let's move it back a little. Okay. So here's the monkey. And uh, the other monkey on the right, he's getting a grape. And the, the, the monkey on the left, he thinks he's going to get a grape right now. And he gets a c- cucumber. And look what the monkey does. He throws it back. No, I want the grape. And he starts uh, throwing a fit. There's the other monkey. Turned in the rock. He's going to turn the rock. And he's going to get a grape, and uh, he enjoys his grape. This other monkey, oh, now he starts banging his rock on the wall, turns the rock in, and he gets a cucumber. Does he like the cucumber? No! He throws the cucumber. The other monkey gets a grape, and the monkey on the left is having a very difficult time. You know, it even happens in the animal kingdom. And you know what? It even happens in your pastor's life. 
You know, I don't know if you've ever seen my boat before, but there are some people in, in the church who really make fun of my boat because I spend a lot of time bailing water out of that boat. And there's sometimes when I'm on the lake and I'll see another boat kind of float by that I think to myself, boy, I really like to have that boat. You know, and if I were to go down the store and uh, buy that boat, boy, I could, ch- I could, I could charge that boat, uh, make payments for the next seventy-five years, and I could have my boat. But uh, that's that's not what God would. I, I am happy to bail water out of my boat. My boat is just fine. But uh, you know, this, this happens with uh, kids and cartoons. I can watch my grandkids and, you know, we'll have Christmas and they'll get all these new things. And then, you know, the very next week they're watching their cartoons. I don't know if you know this about kids, but they're not like us adults and fast forward through the cartoons. No, I tried that one time. They said, stop, we like the cartoons because they get to see everything that they don't have. In those kids' cartoons and what they want, those oh, commercials, yeah. What they want to watch and what they think they need to have. That's just the way we are. And because of that, we get turned sideways when it comes to money. ABC uh put out some statistics here recently, said that 64% of all married couples argue over money. I believe probably 64% of you here in this service this morning agree with that. Did you know that over 25%, I read this morning a statistic, 29% of baby boomers, that's my generation, Okay, and I am I'm on the tail end of the baby boomer generation, but 29 percent of baby boomers haven't even saved a don't have even have a thousand dollars in savings. They've done nothing in terms of retirement. When students graduate from college now, the average college student graduates with $30,000 in debt. $30,000. And they don't even have jobs yet. And they're wondering how they're going to pay off those loans. You know, God has given us principles in his word when it comes to money. He doesn't want us to live with worry and fear over finances. He wants us to have joy and peace with our finances. But in order to experience his joy and his peace, we've got to be willing to live according to God's principles. But so many believers are living so far from the principles that God has intended. So here's where we're going in the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the ABCs of money. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the attitude of ownership. 
Next week, we're going to be looking at the bondage of debt. Now, next week is going to be very uh, helpful, very practical. If you find yourself today overwhelmed with debt, I, I don't want to, I want to encourage you not to miss next week because next week will encourage you and give you hope. The third week, we're going to be looking at the power of choice and, and God's uh, blessing of multiplication when it comes to our finances. I have a, uh, a message uh, on video that you need to hear, that uh, we all need to hear. God is going to really speak to our hearts on that uh, particular Sunday morning, February 7. February 14 will be is Valentine's Day, and so we're going to be honoring marriage, love and marriage that day. So uh, we're going to be, I have a message on marriage, and then on the 21st, we will conclude about making a decision to do it God's way. But uh, this morning, I want to talk about why our financial lives are so messed up. And there's two things I want to share this morning. Number one is, the reason why our financial lives are so messed up is because we have fallen for lies that sound like truth. And then the second thing I want to look at, and it doesn't come up on the screen quite yet, but the second thing I want to look at is we dismiss truth that sound like lies. So I'm going to begin with number one. We've fallen for lies that sound like church, that sound like truth. What's, what's the first lie that we've fallen for that sounds like truth? It's this. All the church is interested in is my money. You know, a lot of people believe that. And if you're, if you're here for the very first time, okay, just know that I don't always talk about money. You just happen to come on a very unique Sunday. All right? But, uh, you know, we'll look at, uh, we'll read newspapers, we'll see things on the internet, and, and we'll read about, uh, preachers who, who want your money so that they can they can they can buy a 65 million lear jet and you think well that's the way all preachers are and i want you to know that here at emmanuel it's not about money we're not in it for the money um you know you might be here and you you give very little if any, to this church. Well, we don't send you a letter. We don't sit down and have a conversation with you about your W-2 and know what you make and encourage you to catch up at the end of the year. That's not who we are. But I want you to know that if you went to a, a Mormon ward, if you were part of the Mormon church, before the end of the year, you would have a conversation with your elder. And he would know exactly where you stood financially. And you would have an opportunity to give up, to, to uh, catch up. And if you didn't catch up, 
well, you wouldn't be in good standing with the church and you wouldn't be allowed in temple services. We don't send a letter uh, for uh, uh, bills for uh, services um, services rendered. We just don't do that. We're not about collecting money, getting money. We're we're about giving it away. God using us collectively to be a blessing, not only in this community, but around the around the world. We have Monday night dinners. We want to serve the needy in our community. We don't expect any payment and re- return. We do it because God loves and he wants us to love. He wants to love through us. When we have vacation Bible school, we don't charge for vacation Bible school. People who register who aren't members of our church ask, how much it co- does it cost? It doesn't cost anything. We provide this for the community. We have children and youth activities. We don't expect payment for those ministry opportunities. Now, would you take advantage of that if you went to uh, like Macy's or um, Casey's restaurant? If you were to go there and try on clothes and put the put those clothes on and walk out the door or you have a nice dinner at Casey's and you don't pay for that dinner and walk out the door, would what would be their reaction? Well, hey, hey, you're stealing. We expect you to pay us. Why? Because they're a business. But we're not a business. We're a ministry. And God wants us to give it away for a large part. You might be here this morning saying, well, pastor, you're charging for the Valentine's banquet. Uh, yes, we are to pay for the meal. But if you can't afford to attend the Valentine's banquet, you just let the person out at the table know this morning that you really want to go, but you just don't have the finances. We don't want to turn anybody away. We are here to minister. We are not in it for the money. God doesn't want something from you. When it comes to money, God wants something for you. And that's what this series is all about. He wants you to experience financial freedom. But in order to do so, you have to live according to God's principles. Lie number two that we believe. More money and more things will make me more happy. You know, we see what others have that you don't have. And if I just have a little bit more money, That'll make me happier. I'll be satisfied. Then I'll start saving and putting things away. Solomon, King Solomon was the richest man in the world 
at the time that he wrote Ecclesiastes. This is what he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. That comes from Solomon. Having more doesn't satisfy. I like what Jim Carrey said. Jim Carrey, that uh, deep theologian, comedian, said this. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do whatever they dreamed of doing so that they can see that it's not the answer. You look, if you were to look at Jim Carrey's life, you know, you would say to yourself, boy, he's got everything. He's got it made. He's set for the rest of his life. He must on, be on cloud nine. He must be one of the happiest men on the face of the earth. But if you've read any of his life over the years, it's more like he's one of the most miserable guys on the face of the earth. Money will never satisfy. And then the third lie that we believe is it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. Did you know that's a lie? We're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 25 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. And it's the uh, parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25. And let's begin with verses 14 and 15. Just as Jesus sharing this, this parable... He said, it'll again be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. Jesus knows that uh, he is about to go and be with the Father. And he shares this, uh, this, this parable on stewardship. And, and there was the owner who owned it all. And he entrusted a portion of his things, of his stuff, to his servants. One he gave five talents. Another he gave two talents. And a third he gave one talent. These talents, each talent uh, was equivalent to about $10,000. So one had 50000 another had twenty, another had ten. This was This did not belong to the servants. It belonged to the owner. And the owner was entrusting the servants with the talent. The lie that we believe when we work hard for our income, for our money... We think it all belongs to me. What Jesus is trying to tell us through this, this parable and through other passages in Scripture is that, no, 
It's not ours. It all belongs to him. And he's just entrusted us it to us. And some to some he's given more than others. But with whatever he's entrusted to us, we are to be good stewards of. And so the lie is that it's my money, which brings us to the second point I want to make this morning. We dismiss the truth because it sounds like lies. And the first truth is this. We are not the owners, but managers. When it comes to our money, we are not the owners. We're just the managers. Some of you see a financial planner. And uh, you have entrusted a whole lot of your resources to that financial planner. What if that financial planner was to was to take what you've given him to invest? That financial planner says, "Wow, this guy has given me a hundred thousand dollars. I think I'm going to take it home, and I think I'm going to put a pool in my backyard, and I'm going to just spend it all for myself and for my family." Would that be your financial planner very long? No. We are not owners of what God has entrusted to us. We are not just consumers and think that we can just spend it all upon ourselves. No, God entrusts it to us so that we might reinvest into his kingdom, into building his kingdom. God entrusted his servants with money, with the talents. And God has entrusted you with money to invest back into his work. Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. This, this was uh, the first church uh, of Jerusalem. These were the early believers, the first century uh, believers who believed the gospel. As they, as they came together, look what the Bible says, and all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is God's plan for his church. God wants his children to be generous. To know that what God has entrusted to them, he wants them to invest. They don't, he doesn't want them to hoard it all. He wants us to be generous so that everyone who has a need might have that need be met. Now, we're not talking about 
communist ideology here. You know, this isn't, uh, this is, you know, Bernie Sanders might support this, but uh, that's not what God's talking about there. Okay? The government, you know, look at these believers. The government, the church, isn't coming in and demanding this of the disciples. The disciples have been overwhelmed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the good news and what God has done for them, they want to be generous in return. It's not about the government enforcing things upon us. God wants his children, his church, to be generous. And so what's the second, what's the second lie here? We are responsible to advance the owner's goals. As God's people, we are to be responsible in advancing the owner's goals. Not our own goals. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Looking verse 16 and 8 through 18. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. The two servants who gained, who had their investment doubled, were servants who reinvested, who knew that it didn't belong to them. It was their responsibility to make it grow. And so they reinvested it. They gave it away. God has entrusted resources to you to build his kingdom not to hide it away not to hoard it to think that it all belongs to you you know there's five ways that uh, you and i we can spend our money the first is we spend it the second we pay debt with it the third we pay taxes with it the fourth, we save it. And if we have a little anything left over, we might give it away. And when that is the priority of how we spend our money, that's why we find ourselves in the mess that we're in financially. Why? Because it's all about me. I'm spending it for me. I'm paying down debt because it's about me. I pay taxes. That's we in America. But if I save it, it's for me. And if I give it, it's about God. You know, and our priorities are all messed up. You know, I don't know where you guys are at financially in our church right now. I don't know. I don't know who gives and who doesn't. 
Okay? I don't look at those records because I don't want to be mad. Okay? Or, and I don't want to think negative thoughts of anyone around here. But there are people who come to our service and they pray. They say, God bless me. Or we'll, we'll sing songs of worship and we'll, we're so appreciative of God's mercy in our life and we'll worship Him. And yet we show our gratitude by making Him the, the least priority when it comes to our finances. God wants to bless your life. God wants you to experience financial freedom. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed with that debt. And if God is going to bless your life, friend, you've got to reverse that, that list. You have to make him first so that he can bless you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, We are to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops. That means when it comes to paying our bills, looking at what we owe, um, what we are to give, what we are to be responsible for, the first check you should write or the first thing that uh, you ought to know that uh, is to be debited from your account if you give online is to the church. It's to the Lord's work. That's the first fruits. We don't wait until we see what's remaining at the end of the month and then try to give something to the church. No, Solomon says the first fruits belong to the Lord. And so next week, I'm going to be sharing with you a very practical message. It's the 10-10-80 rule. And the 10-10-80 rule is this. 10% belongs to the Lord. 10% goes to savings. And 80%, the rest is what you live on. And you might be thinking, well, pastor, there is no way I could afford that at the moment. That may be true. And you come back next week and uh, see what uh, God would have you to do as we look at this 10, 10, 10, 80 rule. But going back to Matthew chapter 25, verses 19 through 23, we won't read that, but uh, we see that, uh, again, those who invested, the two servants who reinvested their talents doubled their return. God bless them. But the third truth that we've dismissed is this. Giving to God is the only way out of my financial problems. That's a truth, church. But boy, it doesn't make sense. It it sounds like a, a lie, and so we dismiss it. But it really is true. Honor the Lord with your first fruits, Scripture says, and He will bless. If you are faithful with a few things, Jesus says He will entrust you 
with more, more, more things. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Not wait until you get and then give. No, give, and it will be given to you. That's when you need to come back uh, th- two Sundays from now. On February 7th, you can't miss that message. God is going to speak to all of our hearts. But Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, don't leave here and think, well, Wow, if I give God $1,000 that I can't afford today, if I give $1,000 to the church, does that mean that God's going to put 2000 in my bank come tomorrow? Probably not. But you know, if you discipline yourself, and if you become a wide steward of all that God has entrusted to you, it's amazing the blessings that come into your life. You know, God has given Susan and I cars that have gone far beyond anyone's expectations. Uh, God has caused washing machines and dryers to last far beyond uh, what the manufacturer says uh, this will do. God has blessed Susan and I with kids. That money could never buy. We're not rich by any means. But God has been so faithful in our home. And God will be faithful with you and your home and your family and your finances if you will honor him, you cannot outgive God. It reminds me of that um, that water jar illustration. There was a there was a traveler who was uh, thirsty. He had traveled a long ways. Came upon this cabin. Uh, this cabin travelers were familiar with. There was a water pump in front of the, 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 the cabin. And uh, the sign on the water part, pump said, you know, there was a jar full of water. And this is what it says on, said on the sign next to the jar. It says, use the jar of water to prime the pump. If you do, you will have all the water you need. If you consume this jar of water, that's all the water there will be. So if you trusted the sign, you were really thirsty for this jar of water. But if you poured out all that water onto the pump to prime the pump, you'd have all the water that you need. But if you don't trust the sign, and you consume all that water, that's all the water you'll have. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our money, church, Jesus says, 
you're not the owner. You're just the manager. And if you consume, if you, if you consume it all, there are consequences. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 26 through 30. This is, hap- this is what happened to the one who thought it was all his. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I have harvest, I ha- that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. You know, the one bag that the owner entrusted the servant with was taken from him. Think about that for a moment. You think all your money belongs to you. I have news for you. You can't take it with you. There are no U-Hauls dragging going behind hers. When you die, guess what? It's all going away. It's going to somebody else. This man wasn't able to keep what he had hid. And the one who had been faithful got more. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the A stands for attitude. The attitude of ownership. Who does it belong to? Friends, if God is going to bless your life, Scripture says, Jesus says, that we're just the servant. We've been entrusted with it for a little while to invest in building his kingdom. Don't dismiss the truth. We are not owners, but managers. Truth number two, we are responsible to advance the owner's goals, not our own. And truth number three, giving to God is the only way out of my financial problems. Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Let's pray. I don't know this morning where you are financially. Some of you, approximately 20% of you, are faithful to God's work, are faithful in your stewardship. And God has richly blessed you in so many ways, far beyond money. This morning, would you give him thanks? You know, it's not you. It's God. 
for others of you. You think God has blessed you. You have a huge retirement account. You have plenty of money to live on. For the rest of your life, But you know that that doesn't satisfy. You still worry. You worry when the stock market goes down of what you're losing. You're not at peace. God wants you to be generous with what he's entrusted to you. Are you open to the truth? Are you willing to obey the truth? And for others, you know how financially strapped you are today. And this kind of message creates great stress in your life because you know you're not where you need to be. And you've been spending it all on yourself and now you're in trouble. Come back next week. And just know this morning... God loves you. And his mercy has been poured out all upon you. There is nothing that can separate you from his love. And he wants to give you peace in this area of your life. Learn to do it God's way. Sign up for the legacy class, the Dave Ramsey uh, financial peace class. Take positive steps to heal financially. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Forgive us where we've dismissed your truth. God, help us to take steps of faith, to believe your promises, that God, your kingdom might advance so that all the needs that are around us might be met. Help us, God, to be faithful. Because of the good news of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.